Welcome to this week's Frequency 49 show. The usual host, Paul McDonald, is unavailable again. His lame excuse of this week was something to do with the change in internet providers. Blah, 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 something, something, blah. Somewhere at the end of that conversation might have got a little lost in translation. Therefore, for this week, you've got to put, with, put up with my dulcet tones again. I'm Kev Navon, and alongside me this week are Deepak Gohill and Rob Newell. Good evening to the pair of you. Good evening, everyone. Good everyone. After another record-setting game in Week 14, in which the 49ers managed to throw away a 17-3 half-time lead, conceding 11 points in the fourth quarter, before punting away on their first overtime drive and letting the Jets march down the field, score a walk-off touchdown, then the 49ers their 12th straight loss. The only bright spot in that game being the rushing performance from Carlos Hyde. He managed to rush for 194 yards, the fourth highest total of the season by any running back in the NFL. And he also chipped in with a seven-yard reception for a touchdown in the first quarter. So, gentlemen, would you like to say anything else about Sunday night's performance that hasn't already been said? Uh, <laughs> no, except well then Carlos Hyde on having a career quarter, if not, well, he actually had a career game as well, but <clears throat> albeit on a, a very embarrassing losing cause, but hope for the future. Um, you know, uh, good for him. He, he 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 ran. He ran well. He ran true. But you know, the legacy of his best career game for the Niners so far shouldn't be losing to the Jets in the way that we lost. Okay, Rob. Anything you'd like to say? A second, obviously, what Deepak just said about Carlos Hyde. I think if I did remember correctly, we we got six sacks. Was it or Bryce Petty? I think that's the first time we've had anyone near six sacks in a long time. And I think the form of DeForest Buckner took an upturn. I think he had two or three of those sacks. So if there isn't a bright spot on the defence, that's possibly it. But there wasn't much to talk about, especially after half-time. Indeed, another poor half-time team talk. Um, led to another insipid second-half performance. So, moving on to this weekend's forthcoming game away at the Falcons. Our former division rivals host the 49ers for the first time since the 2013 NFC Championship game, which the 49ers managed to win 28-24 to progress to the Super Bowl. What would we give from a similar scoreline this week, gentlemen? I want us to win every single game, even though there is a, a lucrative, lucrative uh, draft choice at the end of this rather sullen rainbow um, what would I give? I'd give anything for them to win this game, but uh, you know, uh, I don't think we're going to do it. It's, yeah, it's very difficult to see us winning this one. Um, I think we may have to practice some sort of dark arts and voodoo and all sorts of stuff to get anywhere near this one. Although, obviously, I think we said earlier that obviously Julio Jones is injured and may not play. But... So, the Falcons marmalised the Rams last week, 42-14 being 42-0 up before giving up a couple of garbage-time scores in LA. How can we stop the league-leading offence? I think it's time for our defence, which can play lights out on occasion, to, to step up. But I think we're going to struggle. Having said that, Julio Jones isn't healthy, and neither is Mohamed Sanu, which could impede somewhat the, the fantastic season that Matt Ryan's been having this year. Uh, but I expect that they will exploit our huge weakness which is our rush defense and I think they'll have at it with Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman uh, that's, that's what I would do if I was 
up against this 49er team, I, I'd go for the biggest weakness, of which there are many. But we've demonstrated time and time again that you know no-name running backs can have career days against us. We've, Kev, you'll probably know this. How many hundred-yard rushing games have we conceded this season? It's in the double digits, isn't it? Um, eleven now. So we did. We yeah, we didn't. We managed not to do it the first game of the season. And we had a game where we broke that streak in the middle um, a couple of weeks ago. But apart from those two games, yes, every other game we've allowed a 100-yard rusher. Yeah, so I think if we're to stand any chance of beating Atlanta, our, our rush defence has to be organised. It has to be has to be totally on point and play more or less a flawless game. Uh, and that's to stop them from scoring. Uh, we've also got to figure out a way of... Scoring beyond any quarter that we're in, you know. I mean, we did the bulk of our scoring in the first quarter against the Jets, against the Patriots, against the Cowboys, against pretty much everyone else, and then we'll suffer for three quarters of nothing, you know. So you have to put points on the board to beat a team like Atlanta, and Atlanta is one of those teams that likes to get into a gunfight, you know. Whatever you do, they'll score one more than you. Um, we can't play like that against Atlanta because we just don't have that type of a potent offense. So the way to beat them, I think, would be to try and negate their rushing game, I think, and hope that our defense can not only hold, but our offense can produce something over a consistent period during the game rather than just for a quarter. Okay, so you've uh, led very nicely into what my next question was going to be. Their defense is one of the worst in the league. Can we pull more than one quarter together, score enough points on them to stay competitive, Rob? I don't know if we can. I think we're going to have to. At least we're going to have to keep the ball. We're going to need to make keep drives going. And to echo what Deepak was saying a moment ago, that, that I don't think we could necessarily slow them down that much. I think the only way we're going to do it is to keep the ball. And I think we're going to need to run the ball ourselves. I think, But it's going to be difficult. Their pass defence is where they're weak. I think Desmond Trufant may be suspect as well in terms of being available for this game. But we're gonna have to we're gonna have to we're gonna have to get drives going, we're gonna need to go drive for drive with them. Now their drives will probably be quicker than ours, but in terms of sort of the speed they move at, especially in the dome. But if we don't go and put time consuming drives together and keep them off the field, then I think we're gonna struggle. I think, you know, we have to keep the ball moving as Rob said. Um the, the pass defence, yeah, it's weak, but ha- have a word with our passing offence. Um, the, the, the statistics for the second half were eye-wateringly awful. So I get the sense that Carlos Hyde, again, will be doing a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of moving the ball. Um, and, th- and here's the thing, if we want to curtail their offence, then our defence has to rest, which means our offence has to be productive. And that would be the key for us to win this game is to have is to be productive on offense, and get the time of possession stat much much higher in our favor. Convert on third downs and and score basically. Otherwise, we're going to be in for another long night. But I think the vast majority of, <coughs> of people are are thinking you know Vegas is giving them a thirteen point five point advantage. We're in for a long long night, but. I think we're managing our expectations accordingly. I think the other thing to pick up on there also is the yards after catch are going to be crucial in this game. Our, our defence has to hit them and hit them straight away. 
without without Julio Jones, they're going to look for Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman out the backfield when they're not running it. And would they take those dump offs for four or five yard passes? We got to hit them straight away. If we, if we allow them to turn and run, then it's going to be big gain after big gain. We got we got to stop the yard after catch, as well as obviously score ourselves. So Deepak's comments again touched on what I was going to ask next. I reckon he must have had a sneak <laughs> preview of my script. So last week we managed to cut out most of the stupid penalties. We only gave away three for 25 yards and we won the turnover count against the Jets. But time possession killed us again. What can we do to make our time of possession not just better but just reasonable as opposed to giving up 20 minutes to the other team? I think some of this is down to the way Chip, Col- Chip Kelly, um, his, his execution of plays he likes to have plays called in very, very quickly, one after the other, you know, um, very rapid time from play to play, uh, which is fine if you've got the players to be able to do it. We don't. We've talked about this long into the night over the, the weeks before, but the way, the way to control the clock and manage the clock is to be productive on your first and second downs. So you're not facing a position all the time where you've got, you know, third and 12. And what do we do on third and 12? We run it up the gut because we just don't have the confidence in our offense to convert a pass on third third and long, you know. So we're going to have to just keep a hold of the ball. Um, Obviously, the turnover battle is is huge. Usually a game is decided by who turns it over the most. I think we've still got it in us to have the lion's share of turnovers and still lose spectacularly. You know, that's that's pretty damning, but that's how I feel about it. We could spot Atlanta three extra possessions. They could spot us three extra possessions and we would still lose badly. Yeah, I think it's one of these games where we're always going to have to play a perfect perfect game in terms of ball control and ball, and ball possession. We can't make any stupid mistakes and special teams have got to be perfect we've got to if we get an opportunity to take a field goal or whatever we've got to we've got to make sure we make it and it's almost going back to sort of the old bill parcells style offense in some ways which is contrary to everything chip kelly stands for but we've got to take the time on the possessions we're going to run the clock down and keep the ball and just keep drives going if we can't do that we give them they're the sort of Almost like the '90s Bills, they can they can get them down the field quickly and they can score. We can just be watching that happen time and time again if we can't stop that attack. Okay, so the only other thing we want to briefly touch on is Vance McDonald. So obviously he was given a brand new contract uh, last week, and then he um, managed to get injured early on in the game, and he's now out on injured reserve. Uh, is this the curse of Balky again? Well, I think um, look, you can't really put this on Balky because it happened after he'd been given this uh, this contract. But we really chucking that kind of money at somebody like Vance McDonald. I think that's probably the question we need to be answering. I'd have to agree. Um, we got we got salary cap space, yes, but we need to improve the team. And not I'm not sure Vance McDonald is the is the future for us here. Um, I think. The bigger point is when people comment about these things, everyone sort of, or a lot of people on social media, I think Deepak said this on Facebook as well, that you make a comment and people seem to jump up and down about you not not supporting the team. And that's, we've got to, have, we've got to stand up and be realistic. And we need to improve the team. And what we've got isn't good enough. And 
re-signing some of the players we've got isn't going to help us. We need to find improvements, whether that's draft, free agency, etc. Moving on to wrap up the thoughts on the forthcoming game. Once again, our game hasn't been one of the ones chosen for the pick six this week. So if it had been, what would your pick be for the victor in this game and what do you reckon the score would have been? Oh, God. Well, I would have probably ended up picking the 49ers if it was a pick six game because of you lot. But I think, um, you know, unfortunately my head is overruling my heart. I think we're going we're gonna to struggle. Uh, and that's okay because the, the season's over. You know, we're just going through the motions of it now. Uh, I, I expect Atlanta to soundly beat us by at least a couple of scores. Okay, Rob. Yeah, I'd have to. I'm just thinking through. I'd probably agree with that. I think I probably would have chosen the 49ers because I would have wanted the 49ers to win. However, in the in the dome, I think we'll do better than or make it closer than what the, the Rams managed last week. But if I had to pick, I'd probably say something like. 30 to 20 to the Falcons was a fairly realistic prospect of what could happen. Okay. Uh, personally, I'd have just gone with what I always do, pick the 49ers and pick a ridiculous one-point victory. <laughs> um, what's the most random scores I can think of? 26-25, seeing as both of those are really difficult to get scores. I think that would be the ones I'd go for. So moving on to the pick six. So in week 14, we had three people manage the pick six. Kat Victorino got her second of the season, and she was joined by James Waters and Jessica Louise Corsa. Elsewhere, it was a quite high-scoring week. There were a lot of fives and fours. Brian, Deepak and Rob got four. Paul got back to his normal scoring rhythm with three points, and I got back to my normal scoring rhythm of two points. Overall... David Foster's now joined back at the, the top of the leaderboard by Mark Corn. They're both on 51. Andrew Ifold and Mark Leon are on 50. Darrenese, Ham, Nils Hammond and Mark Baylor are on 49. And then there are a whole host of people on 48 just behind them. So it's still really close with three weeks left. Elsewhere, Brian's got 46. Rob has 45. Kat has joined Deepak on 44. Paul's now lagging a bit on 41 but he's not quite lagging as far as me on 33. So moving on to week 15 games, uh, I've only put them up on the site about 15 minutes before we started recording this evening. The six games that have been picked are the Eagles at the Ravens, the Steelers at the Bengals, the Lions at the Giants in the early fixtures, and in the later evening fixtures, we've got the Saints at the Cardinals, the Raiders at the Chargers, and the Patriots at the Broncos. So Kat had said that she wants to pick the 49ers for each of those six games. Hmm. And I'm fairly sure that, once again, it might have been slightly lost in translation, along the rest of the blah, blah, blahs. I'm fairly sure that Paul said a tie in all six games as well. So moving on to the normal picks. Game number one, the Eagles versus the Ravens. Deepak. Oh, Eagles versus the Ravens. Not quite an irrelevant bowl, but I think whew, right. I'm going to go with the um, with the Eagles. I don't think they can stink forever. Okay, Rob. Mm, yeah, yeah. 
Ravens coming to the UK next year. Um, one of the better defences in the league. I think I'm going to, on the strength of the defence alone, I'm going to take the Ravens at home. Okay. Moving on to game two. I don't know. I'll tell, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll pick my. I'll pick my result for game one. Yeah. Hang on, Kev. I want to change my mind. I'm. I'm going to go with Baltimore. I, I can't see Philadelphia winning that one. What the <laughs> hell was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> and you change your mind before I got round to giving my just pick. The Eagles, right? Yeah. I just, so I just I've gone to... for the Eagles. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm definitely going Again, with the you, Ravens you... then. <laughs> Yeah, you've definitely been reading my script as well, yes. <laughs> no, I haven't. I haven't seen your script. <laughs> uh, so, game two, uh, we've got the Steelers at the Bengals, division rivalry, Rob. Steelers at Bengals. Hmm. Well, I went against the Steelers last week and that cost me, so I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to take the Steelers at home or away, wherever they are. I'll take the Steelers with Levy and Bell doing what he's doing at the moment. Okay, Deepak. Yeah, fierce rivalry game, but I think Pittsburgh are doing what they always do they sort of come good this time of year um so i'm gonna go with the steelers so there's been a lot of bad blood in this game over the last couple of years some fairly cheap shots and nasty hits and i've gone for this one as my tie of the week as everybody manages to get ejected before the end of the game as the bad blood really Mm. kicks in on to game three and it's the lions at the giants deepak um i'm gonna go with the giants um, buoyant after that win against Dallas. They're playing well as well. Um, yeah, going to go with the Giants. Rob? I'm going to take yet another fourth quarter comeback for Matt Stafford and take the Lions. Um, so you'll be pleased to know then, Rob, that I've also gone for the Lions. And uh, yes, they will be behind in the fourth quarter yet again. And yeah, Matt Stafford will dig them out of a hole, even if he has got one severely damaged finger from that he dislocated last week. Did, and did you see the um, picture of the stat that flashed up? That they put a stat on how many times he changed his glove last week after getting his finger dislocated. <laughs> oh no, I didn't see that. Yeah, they put there was a caption up on um, one of the American channels, and it said fourth glove change of the game. <laughs> game four, another of our former division rivals, the Saints at the Cardinals. Rob. I see the Cardinals have just released Michael Floyd today, so that's going to have an impact on their passing game. But Cardinals at home, difficult to see past them. I'm going to go with the Cardinals. Okay, Deepak. Yeah, I agree with Rob. I think, especially at home, they're they're always quite difficult to beat. Well, for everybody except us and perhaps New Orleans. So I'm going to go with New Orleans. Sorry, with uh, Arizona. I think you managed to get both teams in there. So you'll both be pleased to know I'm again going with the away side and I'm going to take the Saints to win after they'll be um, smarting from last week's game. Kev, you're just determined not to win this tournament, aren't you? I I just like being (laughs) awkward, yes. I mean, uh, if you're not taking it seriously in week one, by the time you get to uh, week 15, there really is no point in taking it seriously. Yeah, I hear you, mate. <laughs> so, game five. Um, the Raiders at the Chargers. Another division rivalry game. Deepak. Uh, you know my feelings on the Chargers. They should be in the most irrelevant division for the most irrelevant sport. And the Raiders 
I think they're surprising everybody this year, but are they really surprising anybody? Um, I fancy them to go all the way to the AFC Championship Final, and they will do that by treading resoundly over the San Diego Chargers and Roots, which is another rivalry game as well. Yes, indeed. Rob? I've got to agree with that. I think Oakland have got this. Use that and see. Pat Phillip Rivers having a very tough time with Khalil Mack coming after him. Um, and the Chargers looking on their way to LA soon, I believe. So, um, yeah, Oakland by a good couple of scores, I would say. And just for a change, I've agreed with both of you, and I've gone for the Raiders <laughs> as well. On Hang to on. game six. Right, I'm changing it back to San Diego. <laughs> no, <I'm> not. <laughs> <laughs> on to game six, and we have a repeat of last year's AFC Championship final with the Patriots at the Broncos. Rob? It's in Denver. Patriots. Gronkowski's out. Absolutely, yeah. Um, that's a tough one. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the defence again and Bob Miller and go for the Broncos at home. OK, Deepak? Yeah, I agree with Rob. This is a tough one. And inclement weather is not going to be an advantage to either side because New England has really crap winters as well. So I think the Patriots just... Um, Denver, you never know what you're going to get with them. But at home, they're always formidable. And they always raise their game against a tough opponent. But I think the Patriots have got enough in the tank. And the Tom Brady Roadshow just keeps on going. Okay. So one of you is going to be disappointed and it's going to be Deepak because I've gone for the Patriots. The Broncos can manage to lose to the Titans last week. There's no way they're going to beat the Patriots. Yeah. But come on, dude. The Seattle... Seattle no, it was... Um, who did Tampa Bay turn over last week? New Orleans uh, last week. They turned over the Broncos the week before that. Yeah. yeah. So, mm. Good shout. So that wraps it up for this week's pick six. So before we um, wrap up, uh, we'd just like to uh, touch on the international series games. So the, the four games were announced this week. We have the um, Baltimore Ravens against the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, the Minnesota Vikings at the Cleveland Browns, the New Orleans Saints at the Miami Dolphins, and the Arizona Cardinals at the LA Rams. Two of those are going to be at Wembley and two of them at Twickenham. What are your thoughts on the matchups that we've been given for next year? Well, I don't think they're, they're great. I think they are fantastic. And they're all, all of those teams have got diehards, like we're 49er diehards. All of those teams have got diehards <clears throat> over here in the UK that are homegrown fans. So it's fantastic for those guys that they'll get to see them play. But... I sometimes wonder what sort of message we're giving the NFL because they will send over any old crap and we will sell it out within seconds. Um, the Cleveland game against the Bengals, the Browns were, were giving tickets away for a dollar each. You know, Now I understand the Browns are going to be the designated home team against Jacksonville. I can't remember. Um, so, designated home team against the Vikings, yes. Uh, sorry, yeah. So... I think we're being slightly patronised. Because they know we will watch any old garbage, they are sending us any old garbage. Uh, and that's with respect, because they could be sending us too, and we would be deemed as a garbage team to somebody else who might be a Patriots or a Raiders fan. 
but I do think that the standard of team that they're sending is is mixed because Mexico has got the Patriots and the Raiders now. I don't go to the international series games unless the Niners are playing. But if there was one that I would want to see, it would probably be that one, you know. Uh, but that's gone to Mexico, so I am getting a little bit concerned that the NFL keeps sending us very mundane, average, you know, unglamorous teams year in year out, with the knowledge of knowing that it's going to sell out and they could send whoever they wanted to and it would sell out. And that doesn't really show us as being very sophisticated in terms of being a football alert and aware public here in the UK. You know, don't get me wrong. This is great for the Seattle fan who wears the New York Giants hoodie and um, and, a, and, a, and a and a Seahawks hat. This is perfect. But I think in terms of the end product itself, you know, the, I certainly don't have any desire or intention to see a single one of those series games I, I wouldn't even watch them on tv if i'm to be perfectly honest i think we're getting um the rough end of the stick from the nfl they need to send us some of the more livelier opponents and some of the more glitzier matchups which i understand you know you can't sort of send i don't know green bay and chicago here because it's a huge rivalry game you know it means something to people over there you know so i get that but at the same time i think they can be a bit more generous with what they're sending us you know there, there are teams in the nfl that have got a huge uk fan bases and i'm talking about teams like the redskins teams like the giants um the raiders even yeah and even us guys you know and the bears and and especially chicago you know especially chicago so is, know, is all those teams that did well in the 80s when it first hit big hmm. over here very much so. And the Patriots, even though people don't understand that they're actually against the Brits. But, um, yeah, you know, the, the, all of them, they've got huge fan bases. The Rams have got a huge fan base here. Um, so I kind of see where the NFL are coming from. But I do think that they know that we're going to buy tickets for whatever they send us. You know, it's, it's not really relevant to them who they send because they know that there's a good chance that we will buy it and and, and, I, and I think Twickenham I haven't experienced it I've heard perhaps more slightly negative things than positive things about it but I think once you start diluting venues um, the product itself will eventually become diluted so they need to be really careful with switching venues all the time I think Wembley is the traditional home of the international series and I totally get it that it might not be available all the time but you know, I'd rather watch a game at Wembley than Twickenham in a heartbeat. And it's easier to get to. Yeah, I agree. I agree with just about everything Deepak's saying there. Um, the other thing I would say from a hopeful point of view is, you, obviously we're looking at the teams as they are right now, and they don't look very inspiring, and I think they've given us four matchups that are probably just dreary enough to be competitive. But um, if you looked at last year, if you'd have picked some games based on last year's Results. You could have picked a team like Tennessee, and they're they're a lot better this year. So I just hope that some of them improve by then. I think what the NFL have successfully sold us is an event rather than four games. Okay, so what they've actually sold us is something called the International Series, and it could be anything from year to year. But when you unwrap the packaging, that is actually what you're getting. Those we're not getting four regular season games. What we're getting is something called the International Series. And I think the fans are buying into that piece of marketing rather than thinking, 
hang on, I don't want to watch the bloody Browns play the Vikings. You know, I'm a I'm a Dolphins fan, or actually, bad example because they're playing the Saints. But you know, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. I'm a Raiders fan. Why the hell would I want to watch, you know, Cleveland and Minnesota? Yeah. You know, and okay. I think the truth of it is those those sorts of hardcore fans are pretty much in the minority. You've probably got more people who are willing to just have the day out, enjoy themselves, probably don't know much about football, which is no bad thing. Uh, it's a great way of getting you know, into the culture of the Americana and maybe pick a team for themselves and, and become a fan of the sport. I, I, it's absolutely fantastic for that. But in terms of an end-line product, you can see quite clearly that they are actually selling as an event rather than real games, even though they are real games. They're mm. not sending the quality opponents that yeah. North America gets week think, in, week out. I think you're right. Certainly the, the Wembley games that I've been to have been, just as you say, the pack of the event where the team that is the designated home team, although they've done their best to make it a home game, it's not. There's a very small percentage of home fans there. Everyone talks about, even the NFL now talk about how all 32 teams are represented. It is a day out for NFL fans. And it's not really. Yes, it's a it's a real game. It's a regular season game. It counts in the schedule, but it's it's more an NFL event certainly. And in some ways, that's a unique thing. It's almost like putting, I suppose, a Pro Bowl in London to a certain degree. It's just it's an event where people turn up and just enjoy the day. Question is, should we be grateful that they're doing it, or be a little bit myth that they're exploiting us? Yeah, because I think there's a bit of both in there, really. Yeah, I think I think it's because I think there is a lot more. Well, I say I mean, look at some of the the forums anyway. I think there's a bit more savviness there now. I think previous years we've had other, shall we say, um, drossy games like when the Jags played the Bills, etc. They're not really going to be big draws in this country, but um, so it's been going on for a while. But I think there's beginning to be a little bit more of a a wising up of the of the potential quality of these games now. And I think the point you make about the stadiums is a valid point. And I mean, it's going to be diluted further again, isn't it, when the Tottenham ground's ready? No offence, Kev. That, 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 that will be an utter nightmare because it, it's going to be a nightmare for normal football games because they can't cope with 36,000 trying to get there now. When you move that to being a 60,000 stadium, it's going to be an utter pig's here trying to get to anything up there. True, but that's something the Yorks never factored in when they decided on choice of venue for Levi Stadium. You know, that's apparently got horrendous access problems, public and, and by, by cars. You know, it's it's a nightmare to get to, nightmare to get out of. Uh, it is, it's just a mess, you know. But I think with Wembley, you know, the, the, the pedigree, Wembley in itself is a brand, you know, and... Yeah, it can be a bit of a bore lake to get out if you're driving there, but the public transport is reasonably good. You know, you can stay in a different part of London and enjoy the, the event as it is. Um, so I, I'm not really comfortable with the idea of the NFL looking away from Wembley. But then it asks the bigger question, if they are looking to put a franchise here, are they expecting people like us to drop watching the 49ers and go and watch this team in London or do both? Because... I wouldn't be compelled to to go and watch a British team in the NFL because it's not the 49ers, you know. That said, <clears throat> that doesn't mean everybody feels that same way. There'll be lots and lots and lots of people who would think, 
But yeah, I'll, I'll go and see it. And I think we'd get a new level of respect if we do get a franchise because then we've actually got our own team instead of taking whatever scraps and morsels that they want to throw our way, little tidbits, you know, and make us feel grateful for it. Because let's not forget, each one of those games is a guaranteed instant 80,000 sellout, 60,000 sellout, guaranteed. They're not going to get that in Cleveland. They're not going to get that in Jacksonville. They don't even get that in Miami, you know. So it's a cash cow for them. They're here to make money, and they're doing it well because the league itself is losing television audiences in the U.S. Yeah. I think that's uh, the argument you fit on there is one that's been going on for what, since the prospect of a British franchise, whether it be a new one or whether it be a relocated one, doesn't seem to make much difference. It's that point of whether British fans would go, and if you're talking about a British franchise, you're talking what, about eight games in this country? And at the moment, yeah. people go to see one game, two games, maybe three at the moment. Would the same people go eight times? I mean, you might go once, especially if your team was coming to play against them, but would you go regularly eight times to watch a team that isn't yours? Well, let me, let me turn it around. Are any of you guys going to any of those international series games? And if you are, why are you going? Well, probably not, no. Kev, are you going? I've had a season ticket for the last two years. I'm going to have a look how much additional it's going to cost me for the extra game this year. To me, I quite enjoyed Twickenham last year. Transport to there or transport to Wembley is exactly the same for me. Um, I didn't find Twickenham as busy or as big as rip-off as I find Wembley. And getting out to public transport was quicker than getting out from Wembley has been for all my previous games. Um, I think the advantage of Twickenham, Kev, is that if you, if you know the area, there are other places you can go, aren't there? Yeah. I probably will renew. Um, but, but you're going for the event, right, rather than the game itself. The game itself is a little bit secondary because it is still, at the end of the day, a huge deal. The NFL is coming to England. You know, that's still massive, and it always yeah. will be massive. And, and, that, and that's it. Um, it's more of a case of I can go and watch a live NFL game Okay, I can watch TV live games every week, but actually to go to an NFL game, and the thing means I can go to an NFL game and enjoy it for the game, and be ob- and be objective about it, not worrying it's my team, uh, and have that extra kind of involvement and nerve nervousness around it. Yeah, you I see, can enjoy it more as a spectacle. You see, for me, the, the, the payoff is always going to be <clears throat> I might miss catching the Niner game on a stream or something, or do I go and watch it live? And when I factor in the travel cost, the cost of a ticket and everything else in London versus missing out on staying in my cosy little armchair or in my office and watch the game on a stream, I'd probably just lump to watch the game on the stream. But your point is completely valid. You know, you get to see a legit, real-life NFL game that actually counts for something. And, and I'm not disrespecting that at all. I think it's it's huge that the NFL can actually give us that. But uh, I also think that they are somewhat patronising towards us in what they're sending us in terms of a product. You know, they, I mean, of those teams that, yeah, 
the disappointing, you know, we could have been in that group and it would have been a disappointment to a fan of another team. And I completely understand that because we're not setting the world on fire. But I do think that, you know, we are entitled to have just that little bit more of the glamour teams here because we support the IS series. You know, they, they, they know they put a London game, it will sell. End of story. And it's not just the, the, the game that sells. It's people can't wait to pay 40, 50 quid for a t-shirt, 10 quid for a burger and all the rest of it. All of that adds up and it adds up to a, a huge amount of money. And I would argue that those revenues for the International Series games as a collective, as, sorry, as individual games, would be more had those respective games been played in the US in terms of ticket sales, merchandise sales, concession sales, the whole kit and caboodle. I, I would say it would be far more over here than it would be if they were hosted in their own home stadium. My example being Cleveland giving tickets away for a dollar under the idea that people buy stuff from the concession booths. You know, that was the only reason why. They had all these tickets, they couldn't sell them. So give them away, give them for a buck each. At least people are going to drink beer and eat bratwurst in the concessions. You know, and that's a team that they're sending over here. Absolutely. I think you're right. I think if you were to sort of reverse the sports a minute and sort of say if it were the other way around and we went and sent let's say it's our teams Leicester and Spurs to America to play a premiership game would they do the same would, would you just have Leicester and Spurs fans turning up at say Levi Stadium to watch a premier game or would it be all, all British soccer fans turning up to watch that that's a brilliant question because I think um, Barcelona and Man U played uh, a friendly. It was a very, very friendly friendly at Levi's and it was completely sold out. Uh, I think the time where they play a, a real live Premier League game that actually means something, you know, as in a regular season Premier League game, is just around the corner. I, I'm sure it's going to happen and, I, and I'm sure that it will be the usual markets. It will be Asia, it will be Dubai, you know, and, and I'm be staggered if it wasn't America. There's a huge expat population, and I think they will come to see that in the same way that a lot of expat Americans here, who are military based, etc., etc., would go just because it's something from home. You know, it might not necessarily be their team, but they'd still go. You know, but I think this globalization of marquee sports leagues is is very much in its infancy. I think we're going to see it integrated as a more global thing. Well, within our lifetimes, you know, in the next five, ten years, I wouldn't be surprised if every major sports league had an international franchise of some, in some way, shape or form. OK, so that's been a very entertaining discussion on the um, international series games. So that's it for this week's show. Thanks to AudioNautics.com for the music. Thanks to Rob Newell, James Little, Mark Lyon, Kat Victorino, Andrew Mitchell and Graham Ross for all the work they do on the group and the show. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Frequency49 and on Facebook, search for The Frequency49 Show. So, time to say goodbye, boys. Bye, everyone. Goodbye, everybody. On behalf of Deepak Gohill and Rob Newell, I've not been Paul MacDonald again. You've been the audience, and this has been The Frequency49 Show. Bye for now.